0: Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a humble drill sergeant training young recruits that the enemy cannot push a button if you disable his hand. Here to lead our group of Roughneck Mobile Infantry against the Bugs is my good friend and a coach for Vanguard Tactics. He's the Lieutenant Jean Rajak to my Sergeant Zim, Mr. Michael Costello. Mike, how's it going?
1: I am doing well, and I absolutely would like to know some more. Um, I actually watched that movie uh, <laughs> a few days ago while I was painting up the Leviathan nids. Um, so how fitting is that?
0: Perfect. All right. Then I'm glad I was a little bit uh, psychic when I was picking our, the intro for today. So um, obviously, our uh, uh, as as we have uh, as hinted today, um, our topic today is going to be the new 10th edition index for everyone's favorite 40k xenomorphs, the Tyranids. Uh, Before we dive into that, a massive thank you to Games Workshop for sending us preview copies of all the indexes. Uh, These episodes will be coming out much later, if not for their trust and confidence in us, so we thank them very much for that. Um, Also, a couple important things to note. Today uh, is not only my lovely wife's birthday, so happy birthday to her. um, It is also the uh, date that uh, the 10th edition rules, the core rules, have dropped on Warhammer Community. So if you have not uh, yet, by the time you hear this, if you have not yet downloaded them, Uh, What are you waiting for? Get on that so you can understand a bit more about what we're talking about in all of these uh, preview videos. So, with that, we're not going to do a listener review, but we are going to acknowledge our first sponsor, The Outpost.
2: The competitive 40K podcast is proudly supported by The Outpost, your friendly local gaming store with the most helpful and friendliest of staff. After visiting The Outpost, I was taken aback by the whole host of products available in store and online. With awesome discounts, gaming tables, and a huge range of terrain for different game systems, The Outpost is certainly a great place to hang out and hobby. Check out wwwthe or go and visit them in store.
0: All right, and we're back. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. If you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, Mike is on there at uh, vt underscore. Mike underscore. Uh Steve's on there at at the Vanguard Tactics, and I'm of course on there at, at Infantry Lawyer40K. And with that, let's get into talking about some tier nids. Uh, Mike, what are the expectations that somebody should have when they sit down with these index cards? What what the, what can they look for with the with the new NIDs? Um, right, well, uh,
1: first of all, it's very, very exciting um, to see NIDs in 10th edition. With what I would say is a very, very thematic set of core rules. Um, So, what you can expect with a Tyranid army is that you're gonna very, very, you're gonna need to rely on Synapse. Synapse previously uh, may have felt like a nice buff, a nice benefit. Um, In 10th edition, Synapse is gonna be a necessity. You're gonna need to rely on Synapse to keep your army going. And we'll talk about what that means, obviously, shortly. Now, nids have always been great but giving you a, a mixture of options in terms of big bugs um, or lots of swarms. So your gaunts or things like the trigon, your carnifexes and everything in between. So you've already got two different ways that nids could play. Um, now, if you want to go the mixed route, um, you have great synergies between some of the bigger bugs and some of the smaller bugs. Uh, and you can expect the stratagems to support a wide variety of um, tactics. Overall, it's a good mixed army. You know, you've got your shooting in there, you've got your combat, combat in there, and you can look to see some good um, unit holding um, and uh, what's the word? Tar-pitting or occupying your opponent with lots of little bugs.
0: All right, cool. All right, so then uh, let's talk about those army rules. You mentioned synapse. Uh, what, is, what does synapse do now for, for Tyranids in 10th?
1: Okay, so as you're probably all aware, Battleshock has changed significantly. Um, or rather, Battleshock's been introduced, and it used to be morale. Now, old Synapse was that you just ignored the effects of morale whilst within six inches of a Synapse creature. Uh, the aura is still six inches. Uh, however, um, you're said to be in Synapse range, and that's important for some of the other rules that come up later in the index. Um, and each time you take a Battleshock test, if you're in Synapse range, you take that test on 3d6 instead of 2d6. Now, a lot of Tyranid uh, units that aren't Synapse have a very, very low. Um, Battle shock. So uh, obviously that's like um, for a spacer it's a six plus. So you roll two dice and you need a six or more, and then you're fine. Uh, with a lot of the Tyranid units, it could be something like an eight. Um, and obviously the average on two dice is, is about a seven. So on average on two dice you'll fail your battle shock. Uh, but if you're in Synapse range, then you're very likely to pass it, uh, and that means you keep your OC value. You can still use stratagems on your units. Um, so Synapse is uh, key to playing Tyranids now.
0: Okay. And then there's the second army rule which is uh shadow on the warp which is another familiar term for us but what's it mean in 10th so in 10th what this what this means is uh once per battle
1: provided you've got a unit on the table with this rule so pretty much all of the synapse uh beasties uh, then in either player's command phase um you can activate this ability uh, and you basically force all of your opponent's units to take a battle shock test that's pretty good as a once per game ability uh, and I'd think you I'd strongly recommend using that in your opponent's command phase now if you use it in your turn, uh, your enemy units are going to be automatically passing that battle shock at the start of their command phase. but if you use it in your opponent's command phase, then they'll be battleshocked until your opponent's next turn so those units are probably going to be battle shocked all the way through your opponent's turn and then all the way through your turn, which means of course no stratagems o c value of zero um, and there are a few ways to uh buff. Or rather, debuff your opponent when it comes to battle shock during the game.
0: Okay, so now if um, how it is, is scoring is still um, going to be during the command phase? Does it say because I haven't read the, rule, the the core rules yet? Is the is scoring at the start of the command phase, end of the command phase, or just as in the command phase?
1: So scoring, um, just like ninth, uh, is you check at the end of the command phase. Um, so on objectives, uh, and you check the level of control. Um, so obviously, the person with the most OC controls the objective so naturally you have an opportunity here at the start of your opponent's command phase to sc- stop them scoring points because if they fail all their battle shock tests they won't be holding any objectives
0: right you could absolutely shut down someone's primary scoring for a whole turn which allows you to jump the score forward a bit for yourself so okay cool so with that um what is the detachment rule then for for the uh, the tyranid invasion fleet Okay, so um, this attachment's pretty
1: cool. It's got the hyper-adaptations rule. Uh, what this means is the start the first battle round, you can choose one of three different abilities for your army to have for the whole game. Uh, so you can't swap in and out of these. Uh, once you've selected it, that's it for the whole game. You've got this ability. The first one, Swarming Instincts. So um, each time you attack an infantry or swarm unit, um, you gain sustain hits one. So all of your critical hits, your sixes to hit, um, are going to cause an additional hit. Quite nice. Uh, then the other one is if you're fighting monsters or vehicles, you get lethal hits instead. Okay. And the final one is if you're fighting a unit with the character keyword. Um, so that will usually be any unit that has a character attached to it, gains the character keyword. Um, so if you hit any of those on a critical hit, so your, your six is to hit, um, you get precision, which means that when you then wound, you can allocate that wound to a character that is visible in the target unit.
0: All right, cool. So you're you're going to look at your opponent's list probably and go, all right. They've got more infantry or they've got more monsters or vehicles. That's going to inform my decision. Or do I want to, you know, it's a sister's player. They got 12 characters. Do I really want to go after all their characters?
1: Yeah, exactly. This one offers you a lot of flexibility. I think the the easiest choices are going to be between the uh, sustained hits against infantry and swarm or the the lethal hits. Obviously, if you're playing something like knights, you're going to want the lethal hits. Um, But against a lot of infantry, sustained is great. The precision one is a bit more unique. Um, and we'll have to see how 10th plays out with characters' leading units as to whether that becomes something that you take at the start of the game or perhaps use some of the stratagems available to us to maybe give it to just one unit.
0: All right, cool. Uh, well, let's get into some data sheets, but before we do that, uh, we're going to uh, acknowledge our, our second sponsor of the day,
2: Forge. The Competitive 4K Podcast is supported by Forge. I found Forge 18 months ago and I was blown away by the quality of the product. I've always had an incredible finish, not too thick, not too chalky, and have always had the perfect coverage in all kinds of weather conditions. The cans are around 25% larger and cheaper than most other brands on the market. All of the colors are matched to citadel base colors, so it makes that transition from rattle can to paints absolutely seamless. Check out www.vcolorforge.com to pick up your sprays today, along with a whole host of other awesome hobby products.
0: All right uh, we are back uh, before I forget ladies and gentlemen don't forget to go join the uh, our Facebook community group the For- Warhammer 40k competitive facebook uh, the Warhammer 40k podcast competitive Facebook page um, I think I butchered that up, up real well now um, anyway, come find us on Facebook. the password this month is Drago uh, no spell check required just remember to answer all of the questions put in that password and we will let you in um, and with that, let's uh, Mike. Let's get into talking about some uh, some data sheets. Obviously, there is this is the Tyranid Codex that we have all, all known and loved, which is means there's a lot of units. Um, and the last time you and I did this, what well, about a year and change ago? We when we did the ninth edition Codex, Killed. That took us two yeah. full episodes to go through all of the data sheets, and we realized that was just yeah. too much. So we're just gonna have to sort of skim through, hit some highlights. Obviously, and th- and that mm-hmm. was before they added even yep. some new units. So Let's definitely talk about the new units yeah. we'll go through. Um, obviously, I think mm-hmm. we, we should start with the named Tyranid character that everyone has always known and loved, which is the Swarm Lord. Uh, is, he, is he still the, yeah. the the creature to be feared? Uh,
1: he absolutely is. Um, I, I think the Swarm Lord is a unit that you probably consider putting in your army every single time you take Tyranids. Um, he's got, he obviously kills stuff in combat. He's got a, a flamer psychic attack, a shooting attack, uh, and he's reasonably durable. Um but the main thing here is his abilities. So at the start of each of your command phases, he gives you a command point. Within, obviously in 10th, you only get command points at the start of the command phases. There's no pre-game command points, which makes this ability absolutely insane for the Tyranids. Um, and some of their stratagems are excellent. So you're going to want that command point. And then further to that, it's got another ability where once per battle, after your opponent's used a stratagem, you can make that stratagem cost an extra CP um, any future times that your opponent uses it. Um, once again, manipulating command points in tenth is massive. Um, so two fantastic abilities to boot, and he's got a, an extended synapse range too, which is quite nice.
0: Very cool. All right, and uh, and he can—he's obviously an epic hero, and he can join a unit if it's tyrant guard. So he can actually lead a squad of tyrant guard. That's
1: right. Yeah, just like a normal hive tyrant could as well.
0: Yeah, we've gotten rid of we've gotten rid of bodyguarding in this edition. Um, but so now your Swarm Lord, your Hive Tyrant, are, they have to join the Tyrant Guard to, to get the benefits. But once they do, well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Obviously, Old one eye, Death Leaper are back. Um, are, there, are there any huge differences between the, the Hive Tyrant and the Winged Hive Tyrant besides wings? Um, not really. So uh, main differences here, the,
1: the, the Hive Tyrant on foot can join Tyrant Guard. The, fly, the Flyrant can't. Um, both Hive Tyrants have an ability to let you use a stratagem for free. On a tyranny's unit within twelve inches, uh, and uh, that's an excellent reason to use either of these. Um, and they both have a different psychic ability um, that either buffs your army or debuffs the enemy.
0: Cool, very cool. Yeah, the the paroxysm debuff on the winged hive tyrant seems um, seems pretty good since you can not just do you can well if you fail it you do mortal wounds to yourself, but otherwise you're putting what is it minus one attacks? Yeah, minus one to the attacks
1: characteristic of weapons in your opponent's unit. Massive.
0: That's all attacks, not just melee, right now.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, actually, that's 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 really good. Yeah. Um. Although it is done at the start of the fight phase, um, So it probably will only affect um. Uh, melee attacks.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That would make sense. So, yeah. Okay. Um. So let's talk about the one. The first of the, the new models we got to talk about the Nero Tyrant. Okay. The model is fantastic. I absolutely love that model. I I, I want to build it and paint it just for just for the challenge of building and painting that thing. Um, but how's it going to play on the table? Uh, the Neera
1: Tyrant is a, an interesting new model. Um, I wasn't sold on the model initially to um, spark controversy, um, <laughs> uh, but having painted it, it, it's quite cool. It's quite cool. I'll give it that. Um, it's quite small compared to other Tyrant um, bioforms. Um, so what you get with this guy, uh, he can only join two different units, and that is Neurogaunts and Tyrant Guard. Now Neurogaunts just expand your synapse, but they're otherwise kind of just gaunts. Uh, and Tyrant Guard we'll cover later, I'm sure. Um, so what this guy gets, um, leading a unit, um, gives you a buff to your hit roll um, and uh, potentially to your wound roll as well. Uh, that's okay on Tyrant Guard, I guess. Pretty much useless on Neuro Gorns. Um, now, if you've got a Neuro Tyrant on the table and you do the shadow in the warp, force the Battleshock test of your opponents, um, then they have to do it at minus one to those Battleshock tests. That is very powerful. That's very powerful. One turn of the game, you can force all of your enemy units, take a battle shock at minus one uh, on those rolls. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's fantastic. Uh, and then the last ability it has is in the command phase. Um, you can make two units within 12 always count as being in synapse range uh, until the start of your next command phase. So you can give them synapse and they can run off and do whatever they want and they still
0: count as being in synapse range. All right. Having Having not played any 10th yet have you in any practice games felt like that's a valuable benefit
1: um i've not actually used the tyranes yet in 10th Oh, okay but i don't i sadly don't think the Neuro tyrant makes it into the list um it's very sad um, but it doesn't really kick out any damage and its buffs aren't fantastic it doesn't really join a unit that is uh, sort of an all-star so it's a little bit sad um, I would have liked to see some very powerful, potent psychic abilities or psychic shooting attacks coming out from it. Um, but as it is, um, he's kind of just uh, a sort of buffing Neurothrope or, or Zoanthrope.
0: All right. So moving on. Now, speaking of the Tyrant Guard, we, I think we should, since we've mentioned him a mm-hmm. couple of times, we should definitely talk about yes. what what they can do and what, what can they bring to uh, to your list.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, with the Tyrant Guard, uh, they are Toughness 8. Which is great so whenever you're shooting or fighting against a unit that is has an attached character you always wound based on the toughness of the um the bodyguard unit and that's even if you're attacking with something that has precision Uh, so any attacks going into the unit they're going to be on toughness eight now uh, if a character is leading uh, a tyrant guard unit they get five plus feel no pain and that might seem you know what's the point if um the bodyguard are going to have to take the hit first anyway well it's great against precision attacks um, you know, if you go in and use maybe the core structure epic challenge to try and fight a character, um, that character now has the five of Filling of Pain, provided they're still Tyrant Guard
0: in the unit. Alright. Um, overall, they don't... They they seem fairly resilient with an 8 toughness and 4 wounds a pop and a 3 up save, but mm-hmm. um, I guess that's more... It doesn't, that doesn't seem stupidly resilient, but I guess we also have to keep in mind no. that AP has gone down a lot in this edition. so
1: Yeah, yeah, and they are bodyguarding tyrants, uh, which themselves are very tough, so perhaps it's a balanced perspective because if we gave these guys maybe too much of a defensive profile, we'd never be able to kill the tyrants.
0: Mm, true. Okay. Any other characters kind of jump out to you as being worth mention? Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So a short, um, a brief shout out to Old One-Eye. Um, so Old One-Eye can actually join Carnifex Brutes. Oh, okay. Um, which in itself seems pretty strong. A Carnifex now, um, so obviously the new Screamer Killer model came out, that's not a Carnifex. Carnifexes now are the, the current, uh, the old model, so to speak. Um, so Old One Eye can join them and it gives the unit reroll hits. Uh, and a Carnifex brood can be up to two Carnifexes. So you can have Old One Eye leading two Carnifexes running around um, with uh, reroll hits on all of their attacks. Toughness nine, two plus save. Uh, which is that's quite beastly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um and then I guess a shout out as well to the brood I think we're going to see gene stealers back, um, which I am over the moon about um with Tyranids because gene stealers are iconic. Um the brood lord gives the unit his leading devastating wounds. Ooh, which everybody's going to be looking for <laughs> when they go into their indexes. Um that means all of their critical wounds their sixes to wound um inflict uh more wounds equal to the damage yeah and uh gene stealers get reroll wounds so ah okay mm. there
0: it is there's Spicy. there's the combo got yeah. it yeah all right uh turvigons maliceptor zoanthropes nothing really worth mention there
1: oh. uh turvigons fantastic as always uh, there is an enhancement that you would always stick on a turvagon if you took one i would always take a turvicon because i love the the concept um, of the brood mother, yeah. Um, with all of the ter- the termagants, yeah. The Maliceptor, um the the old action to reduce strength is now just built in as part of its um, psychic abilities. Okay. The winged prime is a little disappointing, um, but it's a cool model. Yeah. Other than that, characters they're looking okay, um, but I think the standout is the swarm lord probably, and you definitely want to put a brood lord in there.
0: Okay. Uh alright so let's let's talk real quickly about Tyranid Warriors. There's two different data cards now. There's Tyranid Warriors with ranged bioweapons and Tyranid Warriors with melee bioweapons. Obviously, pick your poison how you want to build your list, but are we mm-hmm. is this um are they something that we're gonna look at and 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 fear like we were in mid-ninth edition? Or is this are they have they been toned down a bit?
1: Uh, I think they've been toned down considerably. Um so uh without access to um any sort of army-wide invulnerable saves uh, with Transhuman seems to have been transitioned out of 40k. Um, Tyrion Warriors, still Toughness 5, um, still only got the 4-up save, 3 wounds each. Um, they're a nice little unit, OC 2, um, and the biggest thing is they are Synapse. So it's a nice, relatively tough unit that can hold objectives and extends your Synapse range. So I think we'll probably still see them, but they won't be the threat they once were.
0: Okay. Oh, and I just noticed too that uh, looking at the card that they're now limited to six man broods instead of nine. That's right. Yeah. All right. That's cool.
1: As they probably always should have been.
0: <laughs> yeah. Nine was nine was a little silly. Yeah. Um. All right. So then we can skip over turmorgans, n- Hormogons gargoyles. Uh. But let's talk about the new neurogaunts. Mm-hmm. You mentioned them earlier with the um neurotyrant. What what should people be yep. uh, aware of with these neurogaunts?
1: Um, so the neurogaunts um, are simply there to extend the uh, synapse range um, on all of the uh, on any creatures that they're uh, in synapse range of. So basically, if they're in synapse range, then their unit gains the synapse keyword. That sadly is it. Uh, toughness three, six up, save. Um, they're not hanging around very long. Um, but they can be attached to a Neurotirant if you want to take one. Um, And obviously that just means that he's harder to kill because he's got those guys in
0: the same unit. Right. And you can have a brood of 20 of them, but yeah, they don't seem... You can. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um, important to mention that um, a lot of the Gaunts um, are 20s, so they're 10s or 20s now. There's no 30-man termagants running around, um, uh, and there's no sort of like 15s. It's just 10s and 20s. Um, but okay. the way Shock has changed and Synapse really help some of these big, um, bigger units at staying around and holding objectives.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, and then there's the other new gaunt. The only one of the gaunts that doesn't have the endless multitude keyword, and that's the barb gaunts. They, they almost look like little mini um, Exocrines or little mini BioVores.
1: They do. Yeah. Um, I personally don't like the fact they've got three legs, um, but otherwise they're okay.
0: Um. <laughs> you know, I was—I looked at the models, uh, so, and I was just assuming that they had a fourth leg and it was curled up or something. But I guess not.
1: Uh, strangely, they don't. Um, huh. Anyway, um, <laughs> so they're the toughest four—a four of save and two wounds. Uh, so relatively durable for a Tyranid, right? Um, and they've got a, a, a gun. It's twenty-four inch range, D six shots, blast. It's heavy, so they'll get plus one to hit if they stay still. Um, Hits on four, strength five, zero AP, one damage. So the gun itself isn't doing a huge amount. Um, However, the ability from the Barb Gaunt's uh, disruption bombardment means that if you hit any infantry units, um, then uh, they're minus two to their move characteristic, and they're also minus two from their advance and charge rolls, which if you take that all together means that if your opponent's got a move of six inches, um, then they're now a move of four inches, they roll a dice to advance and they roll something like a two Then you also minus two to that dice roll which means they're actually still just moving four inches and then they're minus two to their charge as well so it's quite a significant debuff but otherwise the unit i don't know i'm not i'm not that impressed um but the ability is very useful
0: yeah so the um and you're doing these in squads of five or ten so i mean i guess If world eaters or some other, a lot of certain other melee builds become strong in the meta, maybe field a squad of these to slow somebody Mm -hmm. down. Stop, stop those sanguinary guard from getting to you quite so fast, maybe buy yourself some time, but all right. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Gargoyles are gargoyles. We already talked about the brood lord and gene stealers. Lictors are interesting to me because their lictor claws and talons have the precision keyword on top of having six attacks that hit on a two up are strength seven AP two and two damage. So these are legit assassins.
1: Yeah. Lictors are good and they have this very, very important special fights first. Um, This is going to be a rule to look out for in 10th edition because what you do in the fight phase, you have two different steps. You've got the fight first step where anybody with fights first um, fights uh, and if you charge, you gain fights first. Um, but in both steps, the player whose turn is not taking place chooses a unit to pick to fight with first. So if you have one unit and you charge a Lictor, that Lictor is fighting before the unit you just charged with.
0: All right. And so, and Fights
1: Last is gone now, correct? Fights Last is completely gone. That's right. Um, but charging a Lictor means it's going to hit you before you get to hit it. So that, that's pretty scary, especially if you've got a character in your unit.
0: Yeah. All right. And then you also gain a CP if the Lictor kills a character and... Perfect. Yeah. And what's the, and then it says you can once per battle round, you can target one model with this ability with the rapid ingress stratagem for zero CP. What's rapid ingress?
1: So, rapid ingress is a core stratagem and it allows you to come in from reserves during your opponent's turn after they've finished moving all of their models. Oh. You can't come on turn one, obviously, um, but you could put this guy in strategic reserve. He doesn't have the deep strike keyword. um, And he could come on on the the board edge during your opponent's turn uh, with a movement of eight. Uh, it's not unreasonable that this guy could go and punk a character in the following turn and quite easy to hide these guys.
0: All right, very cool. So, lictors seem like they're something that that we may see now. What yeah. about their what appear to be their smaller cousins, the Von Ryan's leapers?
1: So, the Von Ryan's are an interesting unit. Um, they're like smaller lictors, um, they still infiltrate uh, and set up further up the board, um, which lictors do now as well. Um, they're Sort of output isn't quite as good. They do have fights first, um, and they do have uh, stealth like other lictors. So they're quite hard to get rid of, um, but they only clock in at six attacks each, strength five, minus one, one damage, um, which sadly isn't doing a huge amount. We know that AP is reduced across, um, all of, across the addition, but these guys don't feel you quite get much um, bang out of them. But they do have an ability to let, that, that lets you do heroic intervention stratagem for zero CP, even if you've already heroically intervened using the stratagem elsewhere. Um, but heroic intervention is a bit less realistic these days because you have to heroically intervene um, if an opponent's charged with a unit within six. You can't just stand there and deny people by being able to just intervene, even if they haven't charged. if that makes sense?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I don't think we need to talk about spores and spore assists. Um, any of the, uh, the Pyrovores, Biovores, Hiveguard, the, the old artillery pieces of the, the Tyranids, are they worth a mention in this?
1: Yeah. So, um, once you're familiar with the core rules and the core stratagem overwatch, you'll pretty quickly realize that auto hitting weapons are excellent if you set them up well, um, with the overwatch stratagem, because you can overwatch in the movement phase. Um, therefore Pyrovores, um, come into their own. Um, you can take uh, a unit of, of up to three, uh, and then you can just, um, you know, s- set them up somewhere, move them up the board, shoot things. If anybody goes close to them, they can basically, you can just overwatch uh, and you'll fire your Flamer. Um, it's twin-linked, so it rerolls wounds, it ignores cover like most Flamers in 10th edition, um, and it's D6 plus one attacks, strength six, AP one, one damage. So uh, pretty good uh, as Flamers go, um, and a bit of a menace if you're trying to move anywhere around them.
0: All right, cool. Um what about the the, the big dog, the Tyrannofex? effects? I know the rupture cannon the is dog. rather impressive. It looks good at forty eight inches, two shots, three up ballistic skill, strength eighteen, minus four, and two D six damage. And he's got the heavy keywords, so you could if you don't move you're shooting on you're hitting on twos. But is this gonna yeah, be something that's like worth
1: I like the Tyran effects.
0: Oh, you like it? Okay. Talk to me. Tell me why. I
1: like him a lot. Um okay, so let's go through his stats, right? So his toughness, 12. That's the same toughness as a land raider.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that's a land raider.
1: Yeah. Uh, two plus save, fantastic. Two plus saves are going to mean so much more in 10th edition with the reduction of AP across the board. 16 wounds, once again, same as a land raider. This is literally a walking land raider, but he gets better because this guy has resilient organism as a special rule, which means it's minus one to uh, any incoming damage. I... I think people will struggle to kill this guy, in in all honesty. um, He's pretty terrifying. OC5 means he can contest objectives as well. But in terms of weapon, the Rupture Cannon is very cool, obviously, to punch vehicles out. And Tyranids, I think, from range may struggle to deal with um, maybe Knight's armies or vehicle heavy armies. Um, But what I really like um, is the Acid Spray. Uh, So it's torrent, which means it automatically hits. It's 18-inch range. It's D6 plus six shots. It's strength six AP2, two two damage. Uh, Imagine the overwatch on that bad boy uh, after someone moves some of their space marines in range.
0: Horrendous. Horrendous. Absolutely devastating. Just take your your intercessors, remove them from the board.
1: Yeah. I like this guy a
0: lot. Very cool. All right, and then uh, let's see. Oh, and of course, now we got to talk about the iconic Carnifex.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So these guys, basically you have the tools now to make any of the Carnifex variants, so to speak, Um, but they all come under this one datasheet. It's a unit of one to two now, and they don't split after they're set up or anything. Um, So you can go all scything talons, which gets you a bunch of extra attacks. And the scything talons are fours to hit. Strength 9, AP2, and 3 damage. If you take more extra, extra Scything Talons, they have the extra attacks uh, keyword. So um, it makes it a bit easier on the datasheet for you. Um, but otherwise, it's got it's got the good guns. It's got the the heavy Venom cannon, which is strength 9, AP2, flat 3. Um, and these guys are really tough to get rid of. Toughness 9, 2 plus save, um, and 8 wounds apiece. Uh, so is look great. Uh, and as I said, I think the... The key here is to take a unit or two with old One-Eye leading them, um, and you've got a unit that's really going to
0: punch hard. Okay. Um, Now, just for those people that aren't as familiar with it, what does the Extra Attacks special rule say? Because the Carnifex Extra Scything talent says Extra Attacks.
1: Yeah. So um, whenever you fight with a model in 10th edition, you have to pick one of its weapons and only one um, to fight with. Um, so let's say it's got scything talons, you're gonna pick its its scything talons. Um, then it's got extra scything talons, and these are called extra scything talons in the, in the, um, the data sheet. Um, and it has the extra attacks keyword. What that means is that um, whenever you fight with it, you can make extra attacks equal to the attacks characteristic of, of the weapon with that rule. Um, and you can never modify the number of attacks that are made with an extra attacks weapon. However, um, you can modify anything else about those attacks. Um, so whether you've got plus one to hit or extra strength, AP damage, um, whatever, those can be modified. You can just never modify um, the number of attacks uh, made with that weapon.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. And then now the other—I think this is this is the last of the new models we've. Oh no, we got one more after this. The, my favorite, but first we got to talk about the new Screamer Killer.
1: Yes, yes, of course.
0: I know there's been there's like, as as you said there's there's some controversy about the uh, about this model too and some people love it some people hate it where do you fall on that um, i uh i'm not a fan of the model. <laughs> okay honest um, opinion is good
1: yeah honest opinion well honest opinion honest opinion i like the the armored bugs like the the uh carnifexes now uh, obviously the the old screamer killer metal models predate um me so i, I never got to see them on the tabletop um but yeah. I, I you know, it's cool. I like the posing. Um it is very intimidating. Um it doesn't feel Tyrannid to me. Um uh, but I you know, it's each to their own. Um, yeah. And I had fun painting it. So um
0: yeah. I like the pose on it. Mm. I like a lot of the details about it. I just don't like the head. The head kills it for
1: me. Yeah, and the tail for me. The head if it was one of the old Carnifex heads and the tail, if it was longer going backwards and maybe had a blade on it or something, um, yeah. I'd be very happy with that model.
0: All right. Well, maybe there's room for conversions. So, um, all right. Yeah. So then, um, and his he, he's he got the same stat line as a Carnifex, but he's got two extra wounds. But he's very yeah. much a... Yeah. I don't know, his stats, his, his talons are pretty solid. His bioplasmic scream is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. His, 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 his stat card's pretty good. It's just, whether or not you like the model or not yeah. is a separate question.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a solid unit. It's a solid unit. Um, slaps in combat, 10 attacks, uh, strength 10, damage 3. And the, the plasma's good because um, this guy forces you to take, so he's got death scream. Um, so after it's shot, uh, you can select someone that was hit by those attacks. And they have to take a battleship test at minus 1. So it's a nice way of um, maybe reducing your opponent's OC on an objective that you want to take. Yeah. Um, So he's a great tool for that.
0: Okay. All right, cool. Um, And then the new model, which I love this model. I'm a huge fan of the Psychophage.
1: This is probably my favorite one out of the box. Yeah? Yeah. I'm with you on that one.
0: Okay. So we agree that, that he is the best model out of the box. Now, what about the Data Card? Yes. I'm kind of on the fence about it.
1: I don't want to be too negative about the uh, the Tyranid side of things, but um, uh, this is, I think, probably the best unit um, you get from the box for the Tyranids. Uh, the scream is great as okay. well. Um, this guy has a few different combos. Um, so it's toughness nine, three up save, ten wounds, um, which is great. Uh, inbuilt feel no pain five plus means those ten wounds are going to go a long way, especially against yep. you know any kind of mortal wounds or anything like that. Um, it's got two special rules. So, it gives out a six inch aura of Feel no pain six plus. That's nice. fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, you can spread that across your gaunts, whatever. Uh, and then feeding frenzy, uh, which is very thematic. Um, but if you fight someone that's below starting strength, so if they've lost any models or any wounds, um, then you add one to the hit roll. Uh, and if the target's also below half strength, you add one to the wound roll as well. Um, but it's the melee attacks um, that are the kicker here for me. Uh, so, it's got. D6 plus one attacks, hitting on threes, strength six, AP one, two damage. However, it's got anti-psycha two plus, which means that all of the twos to wound are considered critical wounds. So they're considered sixes to wound, okay? Now you combine that with devastating wounds, which it has, means that if you wound a psycha on a two, you're going to inflict two mortal wounds. So if this guy runs into a unit that has either a Psyker attached to it or is itself a Psyker, uh, and you roll, let's say you roll the max of number of attacks, right? Seven attacks. And you hit with all of them, uh, and then you wound with all of them on twos. Um, that's just going to be a flout. 14 more wounds from this guy, um, which is grim.
0: So if someone's playing um, uh, MSU Grey Knights, and this Psychophage hits the table, he's going to just start eating squads. Absolutely. That's pretty awesome.
1: Um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I think this is one of your go to sign-up screeches. Um
0: yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even without um even without even if you're not facing a psyker squad, I think he's still pretty good because yeah. his his flamer attack is pretty good at strength six. Um it's only D six mm-hmm. attacks, but you know, it's not bad at when is when you're yeah. auto hitting and, and uh ignoring cover. Exactly. And then the D six plus one yeah. melee attacks with his talons and potentacled maw seems pretty legit to me mm. so yeah, i dig him
1: yes yeah, it's, it's not actually um it's not actually synapse it's just got the faction synapse um ability my bad on that oh one. right um but i think the feel no pain aura is um is fantastic I, this is yeah as i said i think this is one of the strongest status sheets to come out of the box
0: yeah. all right cool um and then uh i gotta ask what about the harris specs that's another model i've always liked
1: yeah the harris specs has always been that sort of gruesome um very very tyrannid. um themed model Um, and I'd love to see more of them on the table Um, so the Harrispex Specs um, has uh, quite a cool, quite a few cool rules actually Um, so uh, I mean it's toughness eleven, three up save, 14 wounds so pretty hard to get rid of, it's got a grisly spectacle so each time it's selected to fight after you resolve its attacks, if one or more enemy units um, were destroyed by those attacks then each enemy unit within 6 inches has to take a battle shock test, cool that's great Battleshock everywhere. Um, It's got a Grasping Tongue, which is precision. All right? So uh, within 12 inches, you can make this one attack, and you can grab a character out of a unit. Um, It's strength 6, AP2, D6 plus 1 damage. So you could just, like, snipe a character out of a unit with its Grasping Tongue.
0: I I seem to remember you and I concluding in Ninth edition that the Haraspix had the best sniper weapon in the game, and it seems to still be maintaining that truth. Strength six, neg two, yes. d6 plus one. I'm just going to, you know, you're not going to kill a chapter master, but, you know, no, a hospitaler or a dialogus well, or something else. Could. Whoop, come here, dead.
1: Yeah. Pre- precision weapons and snipe rifles are huge in 10th edition. Um, so if you know you've got units that can do it, um, precision is a very powerful rule. The Vindicare's Exodus rifle is better than this, though. Oh, um, okay. One of, it's uh, pretty scary, the uh, Vindicare these days. Um uh, but he's got a lot of attacks in combat. This guy, um, so fourteen attacks with its ravenous maw, uh, and these are strength seven, AP one, two damage. And that's a lot of damage coming out of this guy in combat. Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I've,
0: I like the I like the Harris specs. And his shoveling claws have the extra attacks ability too. So you're so you're also getting the extra four attacks automatically with those strength fourteen claws. Oh yeah, of course. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's
1: great. You get to make all of those attacks uh, against the enemy. Very cool. That's really nice.
0: All right. Um, How about Toxicrene and Venomthrope? Are they worth a a look? Um,
1: So Venomthrope have um, sort of the same ability they've had previously, uh, where if there's uh, friendly units um, within six inches, they get stealth. No longer affects monsters, uh, unfortunately, um, but they do give an aura of six inches of um, cover to everything, um, which is obviously fantastic, because against any AP, all your monsters are going to have cover. Um, So they're really useful for that. Um, and they have a fair few attacks in combat. They're not that resilient, um, but I could definitely see a, definitely see a place for them uh, in the list uh, as a uh, sort of buffing protective unit. The Toxicrene um, has always been an issue because it can't move around buildings because it's the, the width of its yeah, um, base. tentacles is oh, actually wider yeah. oh, that's than the, right. model the itself. Mile
0: is so... That's right.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, so that's always been the issue for this guy. Um, uh, so he's got the special rule, Grasping Tendrils. Um, so on a three-up, uh, if a unit that isn't titanic uh, is within engagement range, they can't fall back. They have to remain stationary. That's very strong. Um, and then it can do mortal wounds uh, at the end of your movement phase as well to enemy units within six inches. So if it just moves, it can do burst of mortal wounds to enemy units within six inches, which is very yeah. powerful. All right. um, that, that's, that's really handy as well. Um, and it's not too bad in combat either.
0: Yeah, 12 attacks, um, hitting on threes, and with anti-infantry 2+, plus, he's just going to chew through infantry.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty good, actually.
0: Very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I like them. Now, this is one of my favorites that I've always liked. I still have, a, when I got rid of all my Tyranids years ago, I kept these two. I have twin Moloch sitting up on my shelf upstairs because I love the way I painted them. Yep. And I I got to say, they're looking kind of spicy. Maybe this is a hot take, but um, the new Deep's Terror from the Deep rule looks so good to me. Mm-hmm. It, you, uh, you just deep strike him, and every unit within 12 inches, you roll a D- D6, and they're going to take either D3 mortal wounds or three flat mortal wounds and take a battle shock test. That's cool.
1: That is very strong. Yeah, that's very, very strong. Yeah, 16 attacks still, strength 8 minus 2. Um, that's a glow up from the previous edition. Uh, and then the more um, can actually kick out uh, three mortal wounds. Um, so it, it, it's anti-infantry four plus and it's got devastating wounds and it's extra attacks. You do this in addition. But if you're fighting infantry and you roll a four or more, you're just going to do flat three more wounds to him. Um, so it's a nice little buff um, to his jaw uh, attacks. It's a shame there's no like ability to eat models, <laughs> but I think we can live with... Uh, we, can,
0: we can just imagine that, that when, you, when you roll that anti-infantry four plus, you get your, you get your mortal wounds and some, your opponent has to take a, 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 ter- a Terminator yeah. off the table. Uh, he just, it's because yeah. he ate it. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I'm a fan. Uh, yeah.
1: So, um, speaking of glow ups, um, and I love both the Morlock and the Trigon, the Trigon looks strong. I am um, putting this guy in the list. Okay. Uh, so, the Trigon has um, it's, its melee weapons now. It's 12 attacks, hitting on threes, strength nine, AP two, flat three damage.
0: That's legit. That is a lot. Yeah
1: of three damage Um, and this guy coming from deep strike uh, and each time they're set up from from deep strike they can be set up more than three inches horizontally but they can't charge Um, uh, and if it is set up um well yeah so if you set up closer than nine basically you can't charge with this model Um, but what you want to do with this guy is use that core stratagem for rapid ingress to come in 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 your opponent's turn after they've moved all their models what you can do is try and set up behind a building Um, or or whatever, but make use of that 10-inch move because it's quite rapid, this guy, uh, and then get an easy charge in your following turn Um, because this guy, yeah, this guy is scary.
0: All right, cool. And is his uh, his, his tunneling ability, can he still bring in allied units? Um, Sadly not. Those days are are gone, unfortunately. All right. Um, Raveners seem like they took a nerf bat to the head. Am I missing something?
1: Yes. Um. No, I think um they probably deserved it. Yeah, didn't they? they were if they were, were horribly abusive
0: in Ninth Edition. So
1: they were. They're still very fast, and you can take them off the ball and put them back on. So I think they're going to be utility pieces in a Tyranid army rather than the the main punch. Still seven attacks. Yeah. Though, with twin linked on their claws, so they're not too bad. At
0: okay. All. All right, um, Ripper Swarms. Are Ripper Swarms. The parasite of Mortrax hasn't changed mm-hmm. too much. We'll leave people to read that, but he still has his parasitic infection. He yep. still has his it itches rule. He's still the the cool, gruesome, creepy guy that that we learned to love uh, mm-hmm. in the last edition. Uh, so let's talk about the flyers, harpies, and hive crowns. Are we yeah. are, is this something we're going to see the return of the the uh, the harpy or no?
1: Um. So I think we'll see them both. Um, so aircraft in 10th edition, um, if you haven't heard already, um, they start off the board, okay, um, unless they have this core ability called hover. Now, both the Hive Crone and the Harpy ha- have hover, which means that they can set up on the board, so they can set up in deployment, um, and they don't, they basically lose the aircraft keyword, uh, which means they lose any of the buffs or negative sides to, to being aircraft. Okay. Um, aircraft, unfortunately, all have OC zero, uh, and that, that will never change. Um, but it puts out uh, decent attacks um, and it's got some good guns as well. Uh, So the Hive Crone uh, gets an ability for plus one to hit against a unit that can fly, Um, whereas the Harpy um, has Spore Mine Cysts, which means that after it's moved, you can select an enemy unit and roll six dice and each three up is a mortal wound. I mean, that in itself is a pretty likely Four or five mortal wounds on a unit of your yeah. choice.
0: Yeah, nice little bombing so
1: run. Fantastic. Um, or you can add a new spore mine unit containing D three models to your army and set it up anywhere on the battlefield that's more that's within six and more than nine from the enemy. Um, so you can still set up the spores, uh, but I think the bombing run is what you take this guy for. Um, it, she sounds nasty. All
0: right, cool. And then uh tyrannosites are still just tearing and drop pods with some interesting attacks. Yeah, tyrannocytes and. Uh, and- yeah 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 and that is the end of the data sheets um we sped through that fairly decently hopefully nobody fell asleep uh, behind the wheel listening to us um, yeah. <laughs> and uh so real quick uh we're gonna take a our, our last uh little break for for a sponsor acknowledgement and but before we even do that uh let's go to James for a battle ready segment all right James welcome back um I've got this might be a tricky one to talk about this week. I don't know. I have some questions about it. I hear a lot of people talk about NMM, non-metallic metals. Right. Okay. What is it? And is this something that everybody really needs to master? Or are we fine with just cheaping out and you know, using Retributor
3: Gold? So first things first, uh, TMM is true metallic metals and NMM is non-metallic metals. Um, essentially, it's NMM is emulating metallics using non-metallic paint, which is where the NMM comes from. Um, there's a, a bit of a misconception with, with the terminology of it and what it is. Uh, and I just want to just right from the bat, just break it down this way. Cause I think this is one of the things that really uh, sometimes throws people off or makes people feel that it's a lot more difficult than it is. Um, some people call them the NMM technique, which, which it, it, it factually isn't. So NMM is an amalgamation of a technique, which in this case is blending yeah, or smooth, seamless blending. And again, the seamlessness depends totally on stylistic execution. You could have some people that do it really smooth and some people that do it a little bit rougher and it it works also. But the the actual technical aspect of non-metallic metal is the blending side of it. So that's the thing you have to understand first and foremost. The other part of of NMM is is, is understanding light sources and volume. Obviously, light sources is where light comes from. But volumes are the things that everything is made of in life. So a sphere, a cylinder, or a cube. Everything is either made from directly that or an amalgamation of that or has aspects of it which resemble different volumes of those three. So a sphere, a cylinder, and also a cube. NMM is seen as like a a pedestal Everest of like technical excellence. And and like, don't get me wrong, like learning to blend really smoothly and blend colors correctly to the volume or the shape and then also blend them correctly lit to where the light is coming from is, a, is something that you should you know, try and uh, emulate and try and master and try and practice because it teaches you a lot of core cool competencies. It teaches you how to dilute colors, how to blend them together, and also how to place them and where to place them. And visually, when you're looking at miniatures, understanding the difference between a sphere, a cylinder, and a cube. But please don't get confused in thinking that it's a technique in itself because it's not. The technical aspect of it is the blending. If you can blend smoothly, then you're halfway there. I think sometimes people look at it and, and get a little bit starry-eyed that it's like impossible for them to achieve. And the reality is, is that if you can blend colors smoothly and place colors in the correct places, you really are halfway there. It's just the refinement of making it, making it visually look correct, which is the difficult part, which is what a lot of people do struggle with. True metallic metals, uh, they, there's no kind of like better or worse, in my opinion, from NMM to TMM. I think both have their place and both can be done to look. Absolutely amazing. Um, there are some true metallic. Uh, the paints painters out there that do true metallics, which, quite frankly, look incredible compared to NMM because the the paint in itself actually interacts with light as well because it has the metallic fleck in the paint as well as the medium. The real uh, art of NMM is is deceiving the eye to make it read the object as metal, and that's what the whole what the whole sale and the whole USP of, of, of non-metallic metal is. It's being able to emulate a material with using things as in paints and colors which are not metallic, so browns, creams, tans, yellows, like uh, sort of colors that are like a, a rusty in color kind of color. Those kind of things, are, are, are it's a real skill to do that. So in a, as best summary that I can do without spending an hour or so talking about the topic, um, it really is something that you shouldn't be scared of, it, but you need to break it down into the things that it actually is. So it's smooth blending or you know, being able to blend colors really smoothly or, or as close to smoothly as you can understanding where to put the light the midtone, and the shadow as opposed on the object based on the shape that it is and also where light is coming from and that's the tricky thing i think a lot of people do perhaps sometimes stumble with or, or get a little bit worried about trying to execute but when you do break it down that way and it, you see that it is not encompassed as a technique it is a technique and amalgamation of knowledge and understanding of shapes and lighting that will give you the best way to then break it down and approach it with confidence which i think all of us really really would 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 benefit from obviously when it comes to approaching it
0: okay so when you're um you know when you're doing warrior workshop stuff um at siege studios are you guys and NN- nmm just seems like it's a more time consuming process for, to is. do non-metallic metals
3: it is yeah it takes it takes a lot of time to do it because because you are literally rendering light on that object using multiple colors to insinuate where the brighter points are and where the midtones are where the shadows are as well as obviously the object and the shape that it is it, it takes a lot more time like warrior is obviously our airbrush service so it has obviously like ninety percent done with airbrush bar the blocking in the odd details on the odd edge highlight and stuff and stylistically it's a very different style to uh to bronze silver gold and platinum siege where they're completely different sort of stylistic executions. The Siege side of, of, of Siege is obviously box art, like every metal, um, and obviously Warrior is way more airbrushed. And, and arguably, like when you put red paint or yellow paint or blue paint over a model and you do the multiple different tonal changes with an airbrush, you're kind of doing like the process that you're trying to emulate with a brush for NMM but with an airbrush. I'm not saying you're doing NMM with an airbrush, but it's a very similar sort of like uh, volumetric tonal modulation that uh, that you're doing with the airbrush. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Warrior is very different to, to Sage. We we don't do NMM on uh, on Warrior, uh, and we only do it on our top end service, at, at platinum level at Sage.
0: Okay, because it's so time consuming. Okay, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of time. Okay, cool. All right, uh, I hope that answers the that vital vocabulary question for painting that a lot of us have had. Because I've had other people talk about NMM at at ter- events, and they're they're very proud of their NMM, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. So. Thanks very much for me. And uh, on behalf of the audience, thanks very much. And uh, I will see you next week, man. See you next week, Tycat. All right. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for staying with us. Um, Now, before we wrap up uh, the Tyranids uh, Index card review, we got to talk about the enhancements and the stratagems that are uh, in these cards. So um, enhancements, we got four of them as usual. uh, What are we looking at here, Mike?
1: Okay. So um, the first one is Alien Cunning. Um, uh, and this is basically a redeploy so after both players have deployed you select up to three tiered units from your army redeploy them you can set them up in strategic reserves um, uh, if you wish regardless of how many units are already in reserves uh, if you see an ability like this either baked into an enhancement or a data sheet, you take that ability you, in 10th edition you want that ability I think even in 9th edition full stop don't even discuss it don't even discuss it you put this on a character okay no, no ifs no buts Uh, it goes on a character synaptic lynch pin uh, means you get synapse at nine inches from from the bearer okay Okay. um this is good to put on a non-synapse character okay Okay? so there's any non-synapse characters that could take this um this is worthwhile perfectly adapted means that you can once per turn re-roll a hit roll a wound roll a damage roll uh, an advance roll, charge roll, or saving throw. So you don't get all of them. You get one of those. Um, that's nice. If you've got the points for it, then uh, maybe you stick it in uh, on a unit. Uh, and then the fourth one, which I will be taking in every every game as well, uh, is Adaptive Biology. So tyranny Model only, obviously. Uh, bearer has Feel No Pain 5+. plus, Fantastic. At the start of any turn, if the bearer has fewer than its starting number of wounds remaining, it has Feel No Pain 4+. plus. Okay, so what character did you put this on? I hear you ask. The Tervigon. Yeah, because he's got because nine thousand wounds. So many wounds. All right. Yeah, so many wounds. Um, for field of pain on that thing is going to be nasty.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, very cool. Um, any other combos jump out at you besides the the Turvigon and Adaptive Biology? Um, not really. Um, perfectly
1: adapted is nice on Tyrants. Um. And yeah, Alien Cunning on, on anything, any characters you've got spare that you haven't given an enhancement. Um, but there's no, these enhancements, you know, a lot of other armies have ones you can build combos from. Um, these don't really work that way,
0: unfortunately. Mm. Okay. All right. Now, I was looking at perfectly adapted. It sounds good to have all those rerolls, but it's only one of them once per turn. Yeah. So even if you slapped it on something like a yeah. Lictor, it's probably not going to get you much of your mm. value back. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, we got, yeah. and then we got six stratagems. Again, the, the, the new standard. Um, first one mm-hmm. is rapid regeneration for one CP until yep. the end of the phase. Models in your unit have the Feel No Pain six up ability. If your opponent or if your unit is within synapse range, it's a Feel No Pain five up, which is funny because you, you look at rapid regeneration, you think, oh, I'm going to bring models back.
1: Nope. <laughs> nope. They just won't yeah. die. Um, yeah, this is an excellent stratagem, uh, and another reason why you want to be in silence range uh, all yeah. the time. All right. What about Death Frenzy? Death Frenzy. Well, it wouldn't be 10th edition uh, if you didn't have a fight on death. Um, it's a Death, fren- death Frenzy. Essentially, um, you, you target one of your units uh, and then each time a model dies on a four plus, um, that model is not destroyed. It can fight and is then removed. All
0: right. Um, so, yeah, fight on death. And it's any Tyranage unit. Well, that's cool. Um a t- important timing note is you got to do this during the fight phase just after an enemy unit has selected its targets. So you're not waiting until you've just mm-hmm. lost a couple of trips. It's you spend it ahead of time when you're expecting something horrible to happen or not at all. Yeah. So I I kind of like that. You got to commit early yeah. or or you don't get it. Um adrenal surge 2 CP. Okay.
1: Now we're looking at combos. All right. So adrenal surge uh fight phase select up to two Tyranid units that are within Synapse or just one other Tyranid unit. Uh, Until the end of the phase, uh, each time you make an attack, a successful unmodified hit roll of five plus scores a critical hit. Okay. So if your army has gone for the um, adaptation for sustained hits one, that means you're going to pick two units and they're going to get exploding hits on fives, essentially. Or they're going to get lethal hits on fives. Or... Um, you can use one of the other stratagems. we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but you can get critical hits of five become precision. So suddenly you're actually getting a lot of attacks with the precision keyword. Okay, It's not just your sixes to hit, it's your fives as well, which means you can reliably kill characters with a unit that doesn't have maybe a character to use the, the core epic challenge stratagem on. Um, this is a deadly stratagem that you want to use in that turn where you push. With your
0: units. All right, cool. Uh,
1: what about overrun? Um, yeah, overruns is it's an interesting one, overrun, uh, actually. So you consolidate an extra three inches, so you go six instead of three, um, provided you can end that, in that move within coherency and engage range of an enemy unit. Um, but if you're not in synapse range, which is actually more beneficial for this stratagem, um instead of doing a consolidation move, you instead make a normal move of up to six inches. And this is just a normal move. So actually, if you want to use this on a unit, it's better to use one on a unit that's out of sign range. You mean out of engagement range? Either to bring it back out of, out of is it in engagement yeah. range? Uh, if your unit is not within, is within, you're right. You're absolutely right. So if it's not in engagement range, um, then you get to move a normal move of six, which is fantastic. Because you can move wherever you want to go, whether it's near an objective, um, but you can't end up uh, in combat with an enemy
0: unit. Very cool. All right.
1: Good, good catch there, Dave. I can see your you've got your reading uh, sorted for me.
0: Uh, well, no, I was just I was just reading along, and it said is within synapse range. I was wait, nope. <laughs> this is this is why it's good when I read along, just 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 mm. like with reading Rainbow when I was a kid, um, and the Magic School Bus. All right, um, synaptic insight.
1: Yeah. Uh, so in your command phase, um, two Tuners units in synapse or, or one outside um, you. You're going to see a trend here, like just stay in synapse. Uh, it's really, really important for this army. Um, so you can select a hyper adaptation uh, and you get that one for this unit in addition to um, any that you already have. Okay. So this is a strategy I was talking about. Okay. So if you've got three command points in the pocket or maybe a hive tyrant to use a, a strategy for free, um, then you use synaptic insight and you give two of your units, let's say um, precision on um, when they're targeting characters and then you play the other stratagem for two command points, Adrenal Surge, and you also give them critical hits on fives. That means both of those units are getting critical hits on fives um, that are both um, precision and trigger, probably sustained hits, because you're going to go for that bio adaptation. Yeah. So you get your sustained hits on fives and precision on fives.
0: Got it. So exploding sixes and it's, and all of those attacks can go on a character. So you can just in one turn... Yeah. Just turn the lights yeah. out on a couple of yeah. characters.
1: Exactly. So you get exploding fives and any of those initial fives can be allocated to a character. But of course, any hits that are additional because of sustained hits don't gain precision. It's just the actual oh, okay. rolls of it. five that do gain precision. That yeah, makes yeah, yeah, sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the explode, the exploded bonus dice go to the rest of the unit, but but That's all right. of your initial attacks get Precision. And okay, still, that's still, you're, you're going to mop up incredibly strong. And then the last one is endless swarm. I was actually going to ask you about this earlier when I noticed that certain, certain units still have the endless multitude keyword. This one is uh, you play it in your command phase, any up to two endless multitude units from your army that are within synapse range of your army or one other endless multitude unit up to D three plus three destroyed models are returned to each of the selected units. So, um, Perfect. One CP, I'm going to get four to six models back on two Gaunt Swarms. That's very, mm-hmm. so again, the, the Turvagon build yep. is going to be something, something to look at. It's,
1: yeah, absolutely. And it's done in the command phase. So you can switch control objectives, or more importantly, prevent yourself from having to take battle shock by making the unit more than below half right. strength. So serious combos. I love this stratagem in ninth edition. I can't wait to use it in 10th.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Um, so with that, let's just look at some, let's just talk about some, um, some broad strokes ideas. So like you said in the beginning, mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple, there've always been a couple of real you know, basic play styles with, with Tyranids, either monster mash or swarm the board well, with lots of little gribblies, um, is mm-hmm. with what we looked at today. And obviously we sort of did a fast skim over all these data sheets is one, does one, yeah does the, the the index card seem to lean more in favor of one over the other, or do you think both are still viable playstyles
1: um, I think both are still viable play, si- uh, play styles because the the oc um, the way oc works, your monsters still can control objectives just as well, but I think um, I would lean more towards the the sort of horde style the swarm style with some heavy hitting monsters in there um, I just think things like the Um, bringing models back, uh, to two different units really, really favors that. There isn't a stratagem here to heal any of your monsters, so that kind of like would be what you'd expect, uh, if it was more favoring monsters. Um, so I think hordes with the addition of how synapse works, um, and how you can buff uh, a lot of attacks, uh, with these sustained hits, more dice means more opportunity to make use of sustained or lethal, um, or, um, uh, proc uh, precision, precision as well. Um, so I think, yeah, uh, lots of little bodies controlling objectives um, with lots of synaps in between them is the okay. way to go. All
0: right, cool. Um, so is how's this? How's this um, faction going to be um, scoring the primaries?
1: Okay, so um, I think with this this faction, uh, what you're probably going to see is some of these 20, um, 20 model units, like termagants um, sat around next to a synapse unit. Uh, And they're just going to be very, very painful to remove, um, I think, a Psychophage, giving out a Feel No Pain of 6+, plus, or simply using the Stratagem to get Feel No Pains as well, um, means that you can hold the objective uh, with all of these little bugs. In addition to that, having things like Tyranifexes maybe stacked behind these bugs um, with OC5 means that your opponent can get rid of all of the little guys, but there's still this big Landerader-esque Tyranifex that's OC5 on the objective, causing problems. Got it.
0: All right. Um, how about secondaries? I, I know we haven't really talked secondaries yet and what secondaries are out there, but you know, with the idea that a lot of the ones that we're familiar with are still there in some form or another, is this a behind enemy lines or is this more of a stand back and, and score some other secondaries?
1: Um, so this, the Tyranids, I think, are an army that can do the uh, randomly generated cards um, uh, quite well compared to other armies, uh, especially if you build in some of those units um, like the the Raveners that can go back into Deep mm. Strike um, or like some of these small units of maybe even Gargoyles. Lictors are fantastic for this as well because um, they're, a, they're a relatively cheap unit that can go off and do something um, and they're quite quick too. Um, so I think the random cards are great um, and a lot of cases require you to be eligible to shoot. Um, uh, and even if you don't have a gun, you, you're still eligible to shoot, you just don't have a gun. Um, and there's a lot of little combat units that can go out and they're not going to be able to get into combat. But you have the assets to start doing these sort of pseudo actions, uh, as they are in tenth edition. So secondary wise, I think NIDs are definitely one that can do it. Um, but you're going to have to build for it behind enemy lines. Obviously, uh, that works great. Um, and doing yeah, any of
0: these uh, actions, but not actions, um, secondaries works as well. Okay. So for deployment, are you you're you're probably looking to put several units into some form of strategic reserve or deep strike? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would look
1: at your, your Trigon or Morlock um, in Deep Strike and I'd look to use Rapid Ingress to get them in earlier in the game. Lictors uh, obviously can use Rapid Ingress for free in addition. Uh, so you could have two units turn up in your opponent's turn um, and then go off and do their own thing when it comes to your turn. Um, but yeah, I would look at several units dying off the board um, uh, and then having this mass of, uh, well, literally biomass uh, of Tyranids Uh, on your objectives um just holding them uh,
0: and holding the end okay all right so um range versus melee what's the what's the strength what's the weakness for this faction uh so i think the
1: there are ranged builds um for the army um, but the ability to hold objectives is probably going to rely um on some melee Uh, so naturally the easiest way to take an objective off your opponent is to kill them in melee um all of the hyper adaptations um do affect all attacks um so not just um close combat so you sustained hits one your lethal hits um all work for shooting as well um and there are some very heavy hitters with shooting in the army the exocreen fantastic the malicepter is pretty much just a psychic exocrine, um and the tyran is great as well um and zoanthropes basically fire las cannons with their minds so you've got some great shooting in the army um But I think there's a a lot more diverse melee uh, available to the Tyranids, so I would expect to see um, melee play a a, a bigger role than shooting. Okay. What about what are some major weaknesses for Tyranids? The major weakness for Tyranids is Synapse. Um, This is the addition of kill the brain bug or kill the bigger bug. Um, If you see Synapse uh, in your opponent's army, you nail it. Okay. Um, Now. There's characters can join units, uh, obviously. So the Broodlord is one of the Synapse characters that can join units. But other than that, there's not a huge amount of characters that can join units and aren't, therefore, easy to kill. Um, the Tervigon, obviously, is a, a tough beast to kill, but no invulnerable save um, means that you do want to take it down if you can. Uh, but things like Zoanthropes, um, all of those, if you can get rid of those, then that means your opponent is doing Battleshock tests on um, values like 8+. plus. Uh, and if you can put modifiers in there as well, then that's going to help too. Uh, but it means these 20man units of termagants that are OC2 each suddenly become zero OC uh, overall. And even the bigger bugs for the NIDs have a terrible leadership characteristic. So if you can force about a short test on those, um, then you're going to win the game on, on primary.
0: Okay. All right um, Well so what about opportunities and
1: threats? Um, so high AP uh, is a considerable threat um, against Tyranids. Uh, there aren't many opportunities for invulnerable saves, um, which means that e- punching through a car effects with a two up save can be relatively easy um, if you've got high enough AP. Uh, Lads cannons, for example, being AP3 is a great way to get rid of some of these big beasties. Opportunities to counter that is obviously things like the Feel No Pains um, for this army. So if you know that you're um, going to face some pretty high AP weapons on a certain flank, save your command points for the Feel No Pain stratagem on those units. And make sure to hide your synapse behind walls uh, in order to, to, to pick two units for your stratum instead of the one. Got it. Any anti-psycha uh, can be pretty good against tyranids as well. Um, a lot of the units that may join, sorry, a lot of the characters that may join units are psychic and a lot of the big bugs, well, pretty much anything that's synapse is psychic as well, which means that it doubles your ability to, to take out the, 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 the links in the chain. Got it.
0: All right, cool. Uh, any other final thoughts or notes?
1: Um, yeah, I think um, with Tyranids in the field, uh, some of the uh, random secondary mission cards, uh, especially that, sorry, some of the fixed secondary mission cards become harder to achieve. Um, so there's going to be probably less characters in the Tyranid army, so assassinates us slightly. So build a flexible list just in case you face things like Tyranids because um, they are one of the armies that can cause you issues with scoring your cards.
0: Cool. All right. Well, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time and your attention. Obviously, like I've said in the last couple of these, we've recorded, um, we're not going to do any rules lawyer questions or any, um, any of the other new segments that Steve and I have, uh, thought up until, um, we get, you know, till we've had a few, ter- a couple tournaments. We'll probably start those, uh, sometime in July or August after we get some, some 10th edition tournaments and some, some experience and some good questions and based on, on our experiences with, uh, the new rules. So, um, that's it for this week. Uh, the next faction, uh, Mike and I are going to try to record as soon as possible. We're going to do some Chaos Space Marines. Uh, and then it just comes down to our scheduling. Uh, and then I think next week, Steve wants to get into Craft World Eldar. So uh, lots of new stuff uh, to to come. And I hope you guys will with stick, stick with us and uh, keep sending in those reviews. Keep uh, tuning in. Keep downloading these episodes. And until then, uh, until next week, this is Dave Colmel for Michael Costello saying, I have only one rule. Everybody fights. No one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll kill you myself. Welcome to the Roughnecks. Have a great week, everyone.